things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I am blessed to have my older brother in the Lord, and I mean older. <laughs> I'm grateful for Randy. Randy was one of the first men that took uh, an interest in me and discipled me, and uh, I'm forever grateful for his impartation in my life. So I want to give him all the time that he needs to do what the Lord has brought him here to do. So could we give a warm welcome to my friend and my brother, Randy Clay. Amen. 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 Well, let's stay with what the Lord's got for us this morning. I, you know, as far as uh, uh, that word that pastor gave us, um, you know, about, uh, you know, basically unfinished business. We're going to talk about that today. Is that all right? Uh, you know, I've been seeking the Lord all weekend, really, you know, for weeks now. And I said, uh, Lord, I only got one shot. <laughs> and usually when I get that one shot, I just unload. I don't leave nothing. I'm heading back tomorrow morning, about 5 a.m., so I can't leave, you know, carrying stuff with me. You're all going to get it. I've seen most of you. I want to take a time to love your necks, okay, that you came in. Scott and Gas, saw you come in and... And, uh, you know, my whole family took up a whole row. That's awesome. Never seen that before in my life. And uh, so I, I am excited. I am excited just to renew some friendships and see. But we do have some unfinished business. I want you to pray with me this morning. All right? I want God's will done in this place. We will be changed if we want to be. If we want to leave here just like we came in, guess what? That's your choice. God will let you do that. But I refuse to let him do it. Anytime I go to church, I want to be better when I leave. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the opportunity to get into your word today. Father, you said that we defeat the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So I thank you and praise you that I'll be able to insert some things in there over the last uh, 10, 12 years that uh, you have brought me through. And it is only you that has brought me through. And I thank you and I praise you that you'll give me the ability today to communicate so that there's no confusion here. We have a, a very simple understanding of your word and what is uh, uh, required of us and what we can depend that we can get on, uh, from you. And we praise you for that. We thank you that the spirit is here. Uh, you had told us in your word there were certain days that Jesus was able to teach and the presence and the power of God was present to heal. So I thank you and praise you. We're going to experience all that today because your will for us is to walk in health that we might fulfill the purpose that you've given each of us as we uh, travel through this earth. And we give you praise for it. If you agree, say amen. 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 I'm going to share with you this morning a few things that just dear to my heart. Pastor um, uh, Greg and and Karen, we've had an opportunity to just spend some time with them this uh, uh, weekend. And I just want to, I'm going to be sharing just a lot of different things. But one of those things in the unfinished business that uh, just keeps coming up and resounding. And the Lord spoke to me when we were in the office and, and uh, brought that to me. And um, I, I believe that we, we all need, you know, we all have relationships. We all have those different things. But I'm just going to be transparent today. Is that all right? I'm going to let you know what happened to me and how serious it was and, uh, and, and what the Lord showed me to get me out. I don't know if you've ever been in a place that you weren't real sure how you were going to get out. 
And uh, I was in that place. Uh, when Melanie and I left here in 2009 uh, to go to what I believe that the Lord had called me to go to uh, was a, a church to assist Pastor Earl Glisson. Many of you that were with us at Word of Life knew Pastor Earl. He was our youth pastor. And uh, I, uh, I, you know, made a decision. I told the Lord. I argued with him. I was, you know, pulled a Moses on him. I said, uh, I'm not the guy. I sacrificed my firstborn son. I sent him down there. I'll never forget Josh telling me, I said, okay, son, you, you know, we're done with school. What's going to happen? He says, well, he said, I think I'm going to move to Florida. I said, son, everybody wants to move to Florida. I said, you don't have a job in Florida. All right. He said, well, I, I think I want to go down there and work at the church. And, and so we began to talk about working at the church. And, and, and I let him know. I said, there's people down there that have beat you to it. I said, you're going to be in a long line of people waiting to get a salary or getting different things, so we're going to have to come up with a plan, and we did. We came up with a plan that he could go, and I felt like, you know, the Lord told me, he spoke to me, and he said, listen, in order for him to reach what I have got for him, you're going to have to turn him over to another man. That broke my heart, because I thought I was a pretty good dad, but I understood the severity in the day in which we were living, and he, so I sent him down there. You know, today he is on staff, still on staff, uh, married, got four, four kids, gave me four grandkids, every one of them. I mean, I, my dad told me one time, and, and it was, he, he's here with us today, and uh, uh, was telling me when he saw my first grandson, he said, that's you. And everything he gives you is probably you deserve it. <laughs> that's what them grandkids do, man. I'm telling you what. And I got eight of them now. And so, and, and the best thing about it is I was alive to see them all. 2008, uh, 2007, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer. And if you have to know what kind of cancer, um, you know, I don't like talking about it in public necessarily, but uh, if you have to know, get with me afterwards and I'll, I'll let you know. But uh, I, I thought because I had taught on healing and, and I had taught on faith for, you know, 12, 13 years that I was going to make it through this with no problem. In the middle of that, the Lord called us to go down to, um, go down to uh, uh, Florida, and I had left a doctor here that was helping me naturally, and what we thought we were going to do is defeat it. And uh, the problem was is the Lord did show me how I got it. And I asked him, I said, how did this come on me? I mean, how did it hit me? I mean, I, you know, I, I've been faithful to you as a child, from a child. I mean, I've never went back into the world. I never, you know, wanted to try to see what was going on in the world. I've always served the Lord. I don't know what it is to be out of church. I mean, even when the pandemic hit, I was still in church. Because our church made a decision, we're not going down. We're going to fight everything. We had some of the ugliest, ugliest social media. I mean, one guy said, I hope your pastor dies like that dead mall you're in. I said, dear Lord. And, and you know, the devil tried to shut us up. I mean, uh, John George got some inter interesting, spa uh, you know, uh, stats. Said there was over 200,000 evangelical churches in America. After the pandemic, we are down to 100,000. The devil killed half of us. And I, I refused to go down. I said, you know, and, and if you don't think that there's more coming, you need to read your Bible. Okay? Uh, Rick Renner was just here. He's starting what he calls revival 
of the Bible. Did anybody hear that? Did he mention that? I'm starting one, Revival of the Paper Bible. You know how many times my phone is zero? And I said, man, we better dust these things off because we might need them. And if you're not a word person yet, you're behind. But here's how it all started. I want to give you two of the scariest scriptures in the Bible for me is that I got offended before I left. I was offended at some things, some treatments, some different things that were said to me. And I, in turn, because I was offended, I began to offend. And I used my mouth against people that I loved. And I'm going to tell you, when Jesus tells us that we need to forgive, we need to forgive. I think it's interesting because, you know, when we get into uh, the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, as we call it, I don't call it that, I teach it as the disciples' prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer, 17th chapter of John. It's right before he went to the cross, he prayed for us. But the Lord's Prayer, as we commonly call it, is, and we all know it, right? Don't you, haven't you memorized that? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, it says. And it says, for thine is the power of the kingdom and glory forever. Amen. A lot of people don't know what the next verse is. Anybody in here know it? I mean, you either know it or you don't know it, you know. I don't see one hand. Am I blind? I'm not going blind. I got somebody in the back. He knows it. I want you to go there with me. Matthew chapter 6. I don't want you to ever forget this scripture. The scripture bothers me. Because the pastor mentioned in the beginning here, it is about relationships. Pastor David Emi used to say something. He said, you know, when it's all said and done, the only thing God gets out of this is you and me. And you know the funniest thing about it? He thinks he's getting a good deal. What do you say? That's a quote verbatim. But look at that verse. In 14, it says, you know, you see amen in verse 13. He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You know why that scripture bothers me? Because it does not say, unless you're born again. I've often wondered, what is the result of not being forgiven of God? And I stop right there. Because I want to make sure that if I've got something against somebody, and here's the thing, when you're offended, sometimes, most of the time, you're deceived, and you know what the word deception is about, right? You don't know you are. That's the whole point of deception. And I thought I was great, man. I, you know, I'd been diagnosed with cancer, and I decided that I wasn't going to go through with surgery. And some people didn't agree with me, and that was okay. I thought I was doing the right thing. And uh, so I just kept believing and, you know, confessing that I was healed, I was healed, I was healed. And the cancer kept growing and kept growing and kept growing. And the Lord showed me, he said, you've got to take care of a few things. You've got some unfinished business. And right before we moved down there, there was one particular brother that I was able to get to. 
had a visit in his office, asked him to forgive me, and we did. We've been, we've been just tremendously, I believe, in my heart, close in prayer and everything else since that day. But there was another offense, and, and, and uh, I didn't seem to get over it real well. Went down to Florida, still believing, but it was growing. All of a sudden, my back started hurting, and I just thought it was out. I said, I need to go see a chiropractor. I know they can pop you right back in. You can be as good as new. But this is kind of a different pain because I couldn't seem to find a place of comfort when I was asleep. And then all of a sudden, I began to gain weight. And I gained 60 pounds in just my legs. And all the time, the Lord's talking to me, you know. And, and, and he's, he's sharing with me some things. And, and I found another place. And we're going to go over some other. Uh, Mark eleven twenty four. Anybody ever heard that verse in this church? Any, I, I believe everybody has, right? And I thought it was interesting because... Verse 24 is one of my favorite verses, and it was one of the verses that the Lord gave me to keep me alive. He said, therefore, if, he said, I say unto you that whosoever shall say, uh, 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 well, basically you go to 23. He, he said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain be removed. But verse 24, there I say unto you that what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Everybody said, man, that is a great verse on faith. That's a, but nobody knows the next verse. Therefore, I say unto you, all right, he, he tells us that whatever we desire, and he said, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father, what did he say? May also, which is in heaven, forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven. I mean, Jesus could have said anything after the Lord's Prayer. But he reminded us of the importance of love and forgiveness. He also told us that. When we want to talk about, I'm in faith, I'm in faith. Lord, I believe in you. I believe I'm healed, I believe I'm healed, I believe I'm healed. And then, I, and then you know, but I never got to those next verses. I never got to them. And then one day, staff came over. They'd been praying for me. And, um, it, it, you know, we're sitting in my office. I am a mess. I'm an absolute wreck. I, I hurt so bad, I can't even describe the pain. And uh, what was interesting is Pastor Earl looked at me, and he had all the staff in there. And uh, he said, Randy, we've done everything. We've laid hands on you. We've anointed you with oil. You did the scriptural thing you call the elders of the church. You did everything you needed. But he said that the word has is, is, is told us to do. And he said, but is there anything you can think of that is hindering the power of God flowing? And it was like, it hit me like a lightning bolt. I still can see myself in that room, and I, I called out a name of somebody that had offended me greatly. And, I mean, the mouths of everybody just dropped because they couldn't believe it. And he said, don't you think we need to get that taken care of? And for the first time, and this is like 2010, I had this cancer going for three years. And I said, yeah. So, you know, I just said every head bow, every eye closed. We took hands, and I began to pray. Ask the Lord for forgive me. It wasn't the forgiveness of the person that it did me wrong. It was I was asking forgiveness because I'd violated the word. We cannot violate the word of God and expect to see the results he's promised in his words. Can we ever get that? 
Can we ever get that? That we cannot continue to violate the word of God and expect to see the things that he promised through covenant, through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Happy Palm Sunday, by the way. But the thing that I thought was so interesting is I really felt like at that time I I gave God something to work with. Once I cleaned up myself, and I thought, I, I thought, okay, you know, Lord, I, I expected the, the, the power of God just to flow through that little office room and just touch me and just feel like honey going down my head, bald head, and, and just come over me and I would be completely healed. I just thought that's what had happened. But it wasn't just a couple months later and my wife said, I've had it. We're no longer going through this. I'm taking you to the hospital. And I hadn't gone to the hospital. I was, I, I, like I said, it only, but I had so much pain. I had so many problems. I had many people tell me he's dying because I was, I was gray in my look. And, uh, they, and, and uh, uh, s- several nurses that, you know, were in the body and different things says, we just want you to know, we've seen this before, he's dying. I thought I was great because I'm believing God all I can. And I thought it was interesting because uh, she took me to the hospital, and I deep in my heart knew what was getting ready to happen. I didn't know how bad it was. I honestly didn't. And they let me know, yes, your, your cancer's gotten stage four. He said it's metastasized to your spine, and it took my T3 and ate the whole front of my T3 completely out. My T2, my T3, uh, and, and my T4 were touching each other. That was what the pain was all about. They immediately put me in a brace said, if you were to fall, you could sever that because your cord is now not protected by your spine. And I said, you know, and so I began, you know, I began to seek the Lord. I said, I know I'm a mess. I know it's a mess. My body is telling me and screaming really loud that it's a mess. The next thing they told me, I had another mass between my kidneys. Now, to give you a little anatomy lesson, all right, you have some plumbing. All right. Between your kidney and your bladder is called ureters. My ureters were completely cut off. That's why I began to gain all this, the poundage in my legs. They put me in a wheelchair because I couldn't get to the bathroom fast enough. And I asked Pastor Earl one day, I said, How can I, who in the world would put an auditorium seven miles from a bathroom? <laughs> Everybody thought I couldn't walk. I could walk fine. I just couldn't get there fast enough. I had an accident. All right, and so with all of that, they put me in the wheelchair, the different things, and I just couldn't believe that, you know, I'm here, I'm, I'm a mess, you know, Lord, what are we going to do, what are we going to do, and then, uh, you know, I began, I, I began uh, you know, in ER, they, you know, I had some nurses come in there, and they just start chewing me out, and, you know, why did you let yourself get this way, we don't even know who you are, and you look like you got more sense than to let this happen, you know, and all of a sudden, about 3 in the morning, I heard these steps coming down the hall. And I said, man, that's late. I mean, who's that up there? Lo and behold, it wasn't God. It was my pastor. He moved everybody out of the room. And I said, this is it. Healing is coming. He got right up in my face. He said, Randy, we have put up with this long enough. He said, you are going to submit yourself to these doctors. 
and you're going to do exactly what they tell you to do. What they want to cut out, they're cutting out. What they want to put in, they're going to put in. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. And I kept that. I kept my word. And so I submitted myself everything that the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida had to offer. Now, we started praying immediately because what they did is they, they uh, my first surgery was to put stents in those ureters so that I could move some fluids out of my body, and they did that. Then they wanted to do radiation, and I said, I don't want radiation. We'd seen enough, you and I had seen enough people in, in, at church that had gone through radiation, and radiation don't know the difference between good and bad cells. And I prayed, and I asked the Lord, I said, what in the world do I have to do to get out of this radiation? I said, if I got to go through chemo, let's, you know, I can take the chemo. I think I can handle the chemo. But, you know, as far as one of the things that I, I, I began to do, I said, listen, th- this is more, Lord, than I can handle. Because the reports just kept coming in, kept coming in, kept coming in. And that wasn't a good one. Not one. And so I told him, I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me. And he reminded me. He said, okay, let's, let's, let's get real. You know, everybody wants to get real until it's time to get real. You know, we need to be real. Oh, yeah, yeah, get real. And the Lord told me, he said, okay, everything you've been teaching all these years, we're going to find out if it's just a theory or if it's real. And so I go back to certain words, all right, that if you're ever attacked, there's two things that that I want you to know, okay? There's two things I want you to know, that if you're ever diagnosed with cancer or anything that they say is considered terminal, okay, number one, you need to be extremely sure about your reason for being on this planet. God gave every one of you in here a purpose for being here. All right? If you're still breathing, you are still to be fulfilling that purpose. The second thing is this. You better learn how to walk in the love of God. You better keep yourself clean and as pure as you can from any offense. Those two things. But the Lord started telling me, Psalms 120, verse 7. He sent his word to heal us. I'm at the Mayo Clinic, and it did not say, I sent the greatest doctors in the world to heal you. God said, I have sent the word to heal you and to deliver you from all your destruction. I had a lot of destruction going on. And I need delivered. And then Proverbs chapter 4 goes on to tell us. It said, you know, give ear. Keep your eyes fixed on the word. Then he goes on into saying, he said, because they're health to all your flesh. In there are the issues of your life. They are health to all your flesh. Translated worth health also means medicine. I knew what they were going to do. They're going to give me a bunch of medicine. All right? They told me. They said, I can't believe the doctor. When finally the Lord performed a miracle and brought my kidneys back to the point that I could start taking. I had already gone in to get the radiation done. And they wanted to start doing tattoos. So they know where to put the radiation. Third day, they came in and said, your kidneys have kicked back in. We start uh, chemotherapy today. No more radiation. Only had three. Thank you, Father. 
All right, so, you know, the doctor leaves room when he says, now, listen, Mr. Clay, this is how chemo works. We give you enough to kill you and back it off just a little bit. Well, that was encouraging. <laughs> I mean, you know, I went through four cycles of chemo. It's supposed to be a 21-day event, all right, first cycle, 21 days. You go five days, they put it in your veins, put it in you. Lord protected me completely from, from, from all four cycles. They said, we're going to go ahead and give you the next, we're going to give you the next uh, cycle. I said, you're supposed to give me 16 days off. And they said, no, you're doing so well. And sure enough, what did they do? I, I went through four cycles. And the thing was, is I went home one night after, you know, we went home and Melanie had gotten some Chick-fil-A and it didn't agree with me. And I started, you know, getting rid of it. And uh, we called the doctor and they said, well, give him that medicine we prescribed for nausea. She goes, what medicine are you talking about? Oh, no. We didn't prescribe anything for nausea because that's the number one side effect. I had no nausea all four cycles. Incredible. So I get down to the end of the cycles and we go see oncology and we're going in there. And you know what I did? I took all the Bible verses that, and, and I heard a minister say this. Listen to me very carefully on this point. I had a minister say the other day, he says, when, when you get diagnosed with anything, he said, uh, I know most believers can't give me 10 scriptures that will state their case in the court of heaven on why they ought to be healed. Can't even give 10. I mean, there's a whole lot more than 10. But what I did is I took an 11 by, you know, 8.5 by 11 cardstock, and I began to write out all my scriptures. I put them everywhere. When I woke up in the morning, guess what was the first thing I saw? When I went to bed at night, what was the last thing I saw? All right? I had a, a healing CD from Kenneth E. Hagan. said, Healing Scriptures. Had them, had them printed out. Read them every night, all of them. Hour and 45 minutes per night. He sent his what? To heal us. So just as I was on medications and I'm taking these treatments and different things, I made sure my word intake was greater than ever. And some people, they don't even know where their Bible's at. And rarely even look at it. And I'm thinking, man, you know, you just give the devil a foothold and sometimes we don't even realize it. So I'll, ne- I'll never forget, you know, I had those stents put in. And, and uh, as a matter of fact, fast forward, I had over 30 surgeries just for that one particular deal. Every day I was speaking to my, my ureters. You are straight, you are open, you are whole. You're straight, you're open, you're whole. 2019, had my last surgery. Lord delivered me from that. But let's, talk about, let's talk about that cancer because the chemo didn't work. And I've often asked people, I said, what are you going to do when the doctor said they've done all they can do? Because that's a hard question. And, you know, the thing is, is I think Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, if you have to get ready, you're too late. You need to continually feed on faith and healing. If not for you, for, for family. You never know who's going to be attacked. I mean, I've lost a couple of really, really good friends to COVID. People that I thought for sure would make it. And they didn't. You know, how many people did we bury 
that weren't alive because of cancer. You know, I mean, is it real or not? And I'll never forget going into the doctor's office at one of our appointments. There was a knock on the door. Man came in, had a business card. Looked at me and my wife, introduced himself as the end-of-life counselor. He let my wife know that he would go ahead and, and help her prepare all the pa- paperwork and the different things like that. And I said, uh, she, and, and I, could see, I, I could see she was tearing up. I'm still in a body brace, legs still swollen, still in a wheelchair. And I'll never forget, I, I, I told him it's nice to meet him. I said, I don't know that I'm going to need your card right now, though. All right? And I know that they thought that I was just, you know, they thought I was just in denial. All right? She's pushing behind the hall. She's really crying now, and I can't turn around and see her. I said, what are you crying about, honey? She said, that was the worst report that we've had since we've been here. I said, well, and she goes, you know what they're saying? I said, yeah, I know what they're saying. I said, but let me tell you what I'm going to say, and I'll never forget it. I said, the word says, I will not die. It says that I will live, and I will declare the glory of the Lord. That's what I say. And I said, honey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to come back to every appointment until the doctor's report lines up with my report. They are going to have to admit that God still heals. They're going to have to admit it, whether they know God or not. So, you know what? I just kept going back to appointments, cracking jokes, getting all the nurses laughing before the doctor came in. You know, I look horrible. And I'll never forget that my ureter doctor, he decided, hey, we're going to take out the source tumor. And I'm thinking, because y'all don't have nothing else to do. <laughs> and that you, you figured out this guy, I mean, we think he's going anyway. And they later told me when they, they had my departure date, they already had it. They knew when I was going to go. It was between the holiday, 2010, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I was going. I mean, that, and they admitted that. And so, the, uh, you know, uh, my doctor went ahead and took out the source tumor, and it was right after Christmas. And I'd made it through Christmas. We got a Christmas gifts too. It's cool. And uh, I'll never forget, two, uh, probably two days later, called me at 9 o'clock at night. He said, Randy, I had to call you. And I said, man, what in the world? You got to call me at 9 o'clock at night. He said, we never see this. He said, extremely rare. He said, because we pathology has done all the reports on that tumor and there is no living cancer cells in it. And he said, this is the thing you need to be astounded by. He said, chemotherapy does not do that. I said, well, that was obvious, wasn't it? And I said, well, what about the tumor in my back? And what about the tumor between my kidneys? And he said, we're going to run a PET scan, and we'll see. Next week, I ran a PET scan. And he says, we don't believe this, but you are cancer-free. Now, see, they didn't stop and ask me, what did you do? Reading the word every day, believing what I heard was true. See, you got to understand, what is faith? Faith is just simply being firmly persuaded or convinced that what you have heard from the word of the Lord is true. If you can't, if you can't believe that, you have nothing. 
And uh, so, you know, I say, you know, and every time he saw me, because I had to have stent surgery removal every three months. And every time he'd come in, he goes, you know, you're cured of cancer. Did you know that? (laughs) Yes, I know that. I feel much better. Thanks. And I thought it was interesting because I'm in this brace and you have to learn to sleep in it. You have to, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a horrible contraption. And, uh, but I noticed that after that event that the pain in my back was subsiding. And we went into the cancer people and we asked them a question. He said, listen, uh, is there any way we can get this brace off? I mean, man. You know, since August and here we are, December, and we're going into January, can we get this thing off? And he said, well, let me make a few phone calls. I don't know what went on in the phone calls, but all I knew is my back wasn't hurting. And, I, and the weird thing was I hadn't even seen the, the neurology team to fix my back. I, eight months, and I hadn't even seen them. But I kept applying the word and applying the word. So the day came that I got a chance to visit with them. And they came in, and this guy, I looked at my wife, and my eyes were this big. And I looked at him, and I, I'm sorry, I, the first question I asked was, how old are you? <laughs> he goes, well, I'm 35. And I looked at Mel, and I said, this boy has not shaved a day in his life. <laughs> but he came highly recommended. I mean, as one of the chief surgeons for spine surgery in, in America, 35 years old. I couldn't even hardly wipe my own nose at 35. I mean, and I'll never forget, he said, Mr. Clay, he said, did you dress yourself this morning? What's wrong with my outfit? Didn't you help me pick this out? I said, yes, sir, I did. I dressed myself this morning. He goes, did you come in here unaided? And I said, like, he said, I didn't see a wheelchair or, or, or anything outside. No, I walked in. And he said, well, he said, um, I want to show you your MRI. And I'd already seen it. I mean, it was bad. It looked horrible. I mean, you know, vertebrae's gone, you know. And he said, uh, famous words, they begin to say, we've never seen this before. They showed me the other one, and my spine had completely grown back. Put my cord back in its place, and he said, are you sure you have no pain? Pretty sure. He goes, because it says here you're not on any medication, any pain medicine. I said, nope, got off that. Y'all scared me. I mean, our pharmacist called us and said... You know, normal dosages for the kind of patient he is, about 300 milligrams of oxycodone. I was on Oxycontin and I was on Gabapentin, all three of them. And I figured out why. They're just kind of trying to make me comfortable, so I just go ahead and die. And he said, they got him on 1,200. It's mind-altering. I said, well, that explains the rats. (laughs) But you know, my spirit man knew it wasn't real. Because every time I saw one, and they were always on the baseboard, running along the baseboard. And I never got, I never went, Melanie, what was that? <laughs> never, not one time. I said, it's not real. It's not real. I tell myself all the time, it's not real. I knew it. I, I don't know how I knew it because, you know, obviously, and, you know, Pastor Earl, he said, you know, Randy, there was a time when you were a slobbering idiot. 
He said, yeah. he said, we couldn't even hardly carry on a conversation. I said, no, I was on drugs, man. <laughs> and once I found out, you know, and Melanie and I talked, we asked if we could taper off, and I said, I'm going cold turkey. I'm getting out of this. That was the worst 12 days of my life. I mean, I can sympathize, all right, with those that have addictions, you know, because I got off of that. I never sweat so much in my life. I never shook so much in my life, but I got off it. Every surgery after that, they go, okay, we're going to prescribe Tylenol. That's all I'm taking, all right? And the Lord just, just continued to, to grow and to bless. I mean, and, and so when, you know, the, the pain from the back, you know, was totally gone. It's been gone. I haven't had any pain since that day. I mean, and, 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 and again, staying in the Word, staying in the Word, but being very conscious because, you know what, since then I've had many, many more opportunities to be offended. People saying things, doing things, not understanding my heart, who I am, you know, uh, the, the, the purity of my heart and, and, and how I'm, you know, because I just want to help people. I mean, is that a crime in this country? It's apparently it is. But, you know, as far as the mass, they said, I said, what about the mass? They said, the mass will take care of itself. Don't worry about it. He said, we just got to get it. So, you know, I put my faith toward believing God to have the, the, the ureter straight open hole. Like I said, I had over 30 surgeries, you know, for that. And, uh, and, and, you know, so just so many different things that the Lord walked me through each one, but it was every one of them was he sent his word to heal me. He sent his word to heal me. And yeah, the, you know, the pain, the different things. I mean, they didn't explain to me that chemotherapy gives you blood clots in your legs. I didn't know that. And, and, and it was interesting. 2013, uh, they decided to pull the stents out, see how I do. My kidneys failed completely. I was sentenced to life in dialysis. Four hours. You're sitting in a chair, suck all your blood out, clean it up, put it back in. You do it three days a week. Four hours. First day in, I said, I won't be here this long, that long. They said, well, Mr. Clay, you, you know, I said, listen, I have a relationship with a manufacturer of the kidney. I said, is there any doctors? I said this. They thought I was so smart aleck. I said, you give it smart aleck, you know, after a while when they're just trying to beat you down mentally, you know. I said, anybody in here around when the first kidney was made? I want to visit with them. I honestly said that. I said, I know the manufacturer. I will not be here as long as you guys have predicted. Weak. After a week, three days a week, I'm in there. Three days a week, I'm in there. Three days a week, I'm in there. One day, uh, one of the, the practitioners came in and said, Mr. Clay, said, uh, we want to get you fitted for a permanent fixture in your arm because the one that you have right now, they fail in two years. I said, I've only been here in here eight weeks. I mean, you, what, what do you mean fail? They said, no, they fail. That's why we got we to see it. I said, I'm not, I, I, we won't be doing that for a bit. Oh, they got man. That's Okay my body right and they and and so one day one of them was over there and they were kind of badgering me and and uh, uh believe it or not one of them said mr clay if i had my options i'd rip that port out of your chest i started laughing i said you know and and the reason why somebody told me she was able to say that she said it to somebody else and that all the nurses and the techs around were going how is she talking to him like that 
And, uh, and I said, I said, she has been sent here to torment me. I, and only guess who sent her. And I'll never forget. I just kept, I kept saying, I said, I won't be here that long. Mr. Clay, you can't have a transplant because you were a former cancer patient. I said, who in the world used the word transplant? I didn't. I said, I'm gonna, I, I, the Lord will either restore what I've got or he give me something new. I mean, you don't think he's got a parts department? He has a parts department. And so I'm sitting there for 40 weeks. I did dialysis. Now, I'm big on understanding the food that we eat. Okay? My pastor's getting ready to leave town to go to India. He said, Randy, there's a video I want you to watch. I watched the video. It was about America and, and the food we eat. Smells like food, kind of tastes good, but ain't real food. It was an expose. And they had a guy on there that talked about juicing. And I thought, and all of a sudden, I don't know why I thought of it, because, you know, once I got into it, it wasn't the most pleasant thing I'd ever done. But I told Melanie, I said, I'm going to go on juice fast for 30 days. I'm, I'm drinking nothing but juice. I'm not talking about smoothies. I'm talking about just put the thing in there and let it spit out the juice, and I'm going to drink it. And I did. One month later, all of a sudden, my labs started coming back to the levels that they were before I went into dialysis. So I asked to take a test or certain tests that they'll give you. And they said, no, Mr. Clay, in order for you to get out of here, you have to have a number in this particular area of a 20. I never had been over a 9. And I said, no, I want to take tests. They said, no, we're not going to give you the test. I want to take the test. I took the test. It was the first of the month of December 2013. And the Lord told me, said, uh, he said, you just, you just keep going around. You're going. You're doing fine. You're doing fine. I said, you know, your word tells me that, you know, what things soever I desire, if I pray, I believe I receive them, I'll have them. I said, I believe I have, I have whole kidneys. I believe that they're working to the perfection. You designed them. Well, you know, sure enough, I, I got to take that test. Doctor come in and goes, how you doing? Like everybody else, how you doing? I'm good. I said, you looked at my labs lately. He goes, labs, labs. Where's his labs? What's going on with his labs? I said, well, they, 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 they've improved to a point that is kind of interesting, I think. And he goes, he goes, did you bring the test? And I go, yeah, I did. He goes, it'll be interesting to see what. He called me the next day. He said, uh, Randy, don't know how you did this, but uh, you're at a 19. And I said, oh. Man, can I take another test next week? Because <laughs> for 40 weeks, all I heard was 20, 20, 20, 20. He goes, well, and this is exactly what I said. He said, well, 20, uh, he said, 19 is really good in my book. I said, oh, we get to go buy books now? I got a book. <laughs> you guys going to let us go buy the book? Because my book got me out and never asked me about it. Because my book got me out. 30 days later, you know, I am, I am re- we're rejoicing. You know, that was just one of them happy dance deals right there. I mean, I didn't have to go back there for nothing. And hadn't been back. That was 2013. Anybody know what year it is? 30 days later, uh, 
I was waking up in the night, and I thought, man, what did we eat? I had indigestion so bad, I said, man, this must be what acid reflux is about, you know? I didn't, I didn't go down and read all the chemo side effects and all the medical side effects. I mean, you, you guys watch that on television? Suffer with whatever it is. The side effects are worse. I'm glad we serve a God that don't make us suffer with what it is. I just kept at it. And every morning, about 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd have an episode. So because they were a little late in changing those stents out, I got a UTI. They're a little uncomfortable. Went, and, 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 it's, and it's the weekend, right? As a matter of fact, it's New Year's Eve. I thought, oh, man. I said, I've got I've to get some help. So we went up there. Mr. Clay, how's it going? Yeah, I got a little UTI going on. You know, I know the drill. And they said, uh, well, what else is going on? Anything? I said, man, I got acid reflux like something you wouldn't believe. I said, it starts right here, you know, in my stomach and goes up through my esophagus, comes out on my back and then down the back of my arm, and I feel like I'm on fire. And they said, Mr. Clay, that's not acid reflux. I said, you give me a Tums and I'll prove it. Because <laughs> every night after the episode, I took a Tums, calmed down, went back to sleep. Every night. That night I had an episode. It was the funniest thing. Melanie is asleep over on the bed. We're not excited, okay, because i got to spend the night in the hospital, and I'm not excited about it. She is sound asleep and snoring. Is this going live? This is live, right? We're not recording. Okay, she's snoring. All of a sudden, I have an episode. They call everybody on the floor in there, cold blue. I say, where's my tums? She's asleep. Paramedic, paramedics come in. They said, we got a call that somebody in the room's having a heart attack. I said, and they said, and it was a guest. And I said, does she look like she's having a heart attack? She didn't wake up the whole time. <laughs> and they're all in here in this room. And, and, and they said, Mr. Clay, you're having a heart attack. And I said, oh, man, Really? Next morning, they gave me a heart cath. I had two, article, uh, two arteries at 100% blocked, two arteries at 95. I said, and they go, how are you walking around? I said, I don't know, man. Me and the Lord, we just don't know any better. <laughs> we just keep going. We just keep going. And, they, and, and I said, and, and I was so disappointed because they, I was, you know, my faith after all these adventures was getting pretty strong. And I thought, they've got to let me out so I can at least use my faith, but they're not going to let me out. And seven days later, I had open-heart surgery, you know. And I told Melanie, I said, I'm done. She calls in Delta Force. They came in, which was the staff, and they said, you're not done. You haven't even started yet. I said, "That's, that's true. And I made it through it. I did. I mean, you know, she was all concerned and, and, and the whole bit. And, you know, we'd gone through that. But I'm going to tell you what, the Word of God's true. And if, and if you want to fulfill the purpose that God's got for you, you have got to go to the Word. But let's go back to Mark 11:24, if we can. Because that's what I want to share with you and, and give you an understanding again. Because I know you've heard this so many times. But the one scripture that kept me going was understanding what Mark eleven twenty four 24 was about. 
Because it said, therefore I say unto thee, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Let's say it again. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Can I do it one more time? Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I have taught this verse for over 30 years, and I always, always, did I say always? Always ask this question. According to this verse, what did Jesus say you would have? You know what, number one, if we were playing family family feud, you know the number one answer is whatever you desire. Anybody agree with that? Okay. Did you know it also? Other people say, well, whatever you believe for. Anybody, anybody believe? Yeah, he said that. I tell them. And then they'll say, well, whatever you're praying for. None of those are right. None of them. Listen to it again. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. This is what Jesus said you would have. Only the things you believed you received at the time you asked. I was so cautious in that verse because when I started speaking to my body, I knew what doubt, because you read the previous verse, what did he say? He said, you don't doubt in your heart, but believe the things that you say will come to pass, you'll have them. So I never, ever got into a place. I never even said, I have cancer. I never said that. I said, I've been diagnosed with cancer. Well, what's the difference? I said, because I have met so many people. I've been in prayer lines so many times, and they say, I have. Guess what you have? Can I take you back a little bit, just a little bit? In the Bible, God introduces himself in Genesis chapter 1. Of what kind of being he is. By saying three words. And God said. Verse 4. Okay. Uh, verse 3 he says it. Again in verse 6. Again in verse 9. Again in verse. Every day God got up. He spoke into existence. What he wanted to see come to pass. I have a question. What are you saying when you get up? Those of you that are fighting things in your body. What are you saying when you get up? I'm going to say what God says. I am healed. Because when he told us, he said this, he said in verse 26 of Genesis 1, he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And let's give him dominion or rule over all the things that I've created is paraphrase. So what is he saying? He said, I'm going to give him dominion. But he said, I'm making them in my image. So if you want to know what God looks like, just look in the mirror. And he said, and I made him in my likeness. So the same things that you see in God, you should be portraying. And one of the things that I decided, I'm going to talk to my kidneys and they will recreate. I will talk to my ureters. They will be straight open hole. You begin to talk to those things because you have the ability to create with your words. That's what faith is. What did Paul say? He said, we believe, therefore we speak. So speaking is such a key of understanding what faith really is. What do you believe? That should be the only thing you speak. But, you know, sadly, a lot of people vacillate because they got a report from the doctor. And they begin to meditate on it more than they do meditating on what the Lord said. And I just refuse to do it. I said, I'm not doing it. 
every time I had a challenge with them, you know, I'm on immediately. And, and I had so many people that said, Mr. Clay, keep the faith. I mean, I'm in the dialysis unit, and the little ladies in there, they're saying, listen, we heard what they said, but keep the faith. They said, Mr. Clay, we could show you a list of people this turned out badly for. I said, can I see the other list? They don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I said, there's got to be a list where people made it. And every one of them admitted. They said, you are a miracle. I said, would you write that down in my notes? Just write that down. You're, the, the, the cancer doctor. When I went back to see him after all the predictions, he said, we, we knew you were going. And he said, you're an absolute miracle. And I said, yeah, I believe in him. I said, I, I wanted to prove that they were beyond just a story that you read. And when he tells us how important it is to be people, he wants us to be people of great faith. You know how you become great faith? Bible has different levels of faith. It shows what they look like. It's a snapshot. Now it's probably a video. You know, we have pictures of no faith, what it looks like. We have pictures of little faith. But in order to be a person of great faith, he told us, the centurion, uncircumcised, uncovenant, non-covenant, told us how to be people of great faith. He said, just speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. If you're speaking anything but the word, you're not going to get it. And if you doubt that what, every time you hear a bad report and you doubt that you're healed, you're not going to get it. James tells us, he said, if you lack anything, you need wisdom, ask God. He doesn't make fun of you. He'll give it to you. But you must ask in faith, nothing wavering, because why? If you, if you waver, you're just like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. He said, Let not that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. You can't afford to go there. Doubt cannot be part of your life. People ask me, he said, did you ever doubt that you were going to be totally healed? I said, no. No. I said, because for that to happen, it's going to be on me. If God just requires me to believe him and live that way, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it with all that I am. Brothers, sisters, listen to me. If you're not as more fired up from God, for God than you ever were, you need to change today. I'm telling you what, if you haven't seen it yet, it's getting dark. And Isaiah wrote about it. He said, arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord will be risen upon you, and it will be seen on you. And he said, and kings will come to your brightness. We have, to, we have to be that light. I've met so many believers after this pandemic that are so I, I just lackadaisical in their walk with God. Church doesn't even mean that half of them hadn't showed back up. I'm thinking, man, if there's ever a time to be as passionate as you have ever been for the things of God, it is right now. Because if you don't think, when Jesus told us in the 24th chapter of, of Matthew, he said in there, the disciples want to know, what is the sign of your coming? And he began to list all the things. You know, the earthquakes, and Oklahoma's got them. And, you know, and you've got all these different things. But he said the word pestilence. Rick Renner teaches that pestilence is known and unknown diseases. They will continue and will increase. If you think we just got past this one that we're safe, we're not. It, more's coming. But you better be in faith. And you know what I love that Jesus said? He said, see that you be not troubled. I'm going to take that advice. 
no matter what's coming. I mean, you know, every, every you know, doctor's report from hell. Okay? He said, just see that you be not troubled. I had one bout with Satan. I'm going to close and we're going to pray. And, I, and it was right the first week of my chemotherapy. And they put me in a little hotel room that was attached to the hospital. And I was laying there, it was pitch black dark. Melanie was in another room. And the devil began to paint pictures for me and let me know, you're in a mess. You know that, yeah. You know, I, I had to agree, I was in a mess. And when all this started, and he said, this is what's going to happen. And he started just painting just the worst evil picture you'd ever. And I didn't say anything. I just laid there. And all of a sudden, I heard that still small voice. And he said, nothing has changed. All the things that the devil was trying to tell me was brewing and was coming. He said, nothing's changed. And then he said this, and it removed all doubt from that day till this day. He said, we're going to take this one day at a time. And the biggest revelation of my life is, guess what? I'm just going to be here tomorrow. I'm going to be here tomorrow. I'm going to be here tomorrow. And I'm going to find out my daughter-in-laws are all pregnant. And I'm going to be here tomorrow. And I'm going to be here nine months later and see the first one and the second one and the third one and the fourth one. You know, see the church grow. See, see uh, people come into the kingdom of God. I'm going to be here for that. You know, I'm going to be here when the Lord returns. I don't know what you're saying, but I'll be here when the Lord returns. And I'm going with him. I'm going to tell him thanks. Face to face. He saved my life. He saved my life. Let's do this. Is that all right? If you know, if you've been, I want to pray for you. If you, and and let's let's just form a, a line. If you need to be prayed for, you want somebody to agree with you. Let me give you a little instruction. Here's what you need to know about prayer lines, okay? Because in in our Word of Faith uh, uh, groups, we have them all the time. All right, we have prayer lines. I want you to get this, write this down. Anytime that we have a prayer line, where people have made the mistake of saying prayer line must mean instantaneous healing. That is not correct. Because the word healing in the Bible, there's two words that are prominent in the New Testament. One of those words is the word that I held on to the most. It was the Greek word, eaomai. Eaomai's definition, to cure, to recover, to restore, to mend, is a process. I just gave you a testimony of a process. The results were the same. I encourage people to say, listen, the Bible tells us very clear. The just shall live by faith, not by the gifts of the Spirit. Even though down here today, the gifts of Spirit can be in operation because you have made a demand. And when I put my hand on you, you can receive. But the, the most dangerous thought that a person, a believer can have after the hands are laid on them is the thought... Nothing changed. I didn't feel anything. I must not have got anything. That is the biggest lie from the pit of hell you will ever experience in your life. Do not let that happen. Prayer lines were designed to come into agreement with you. We will lay our hands with you. We are going to pray a prayer of faith or we are going to speak a word over you. You are going to draw a line in the sand that you will never cross again and not be in doubt that you are healed. 
Everything that comes out of your mouth is going to be healing from here on. Everything that goes into your brain, if it is contrary to the word of God, you will cast it down and you will not allow it to stay and take root. Is that clear? I mean, does that make sense? Because we have so many people. Now, here's another thing. You know, so many people, they they come down front and they see people falling and different things. I wonder if I'm going to fall. Quit it. Stop thinking. The only thing ought to be coming out of your mouth is the word of God. When, and, and, and they're spontaneous. I mean, you know, uh, Pastor Hagen, he'll let us know when he does a, a, you know, faith crusade. Hey, Wednesday night, Thursday night, whatever, we're going to have a healing line. He lets you know. Well, you, ought, you get yourself together and get there and get, and get in agreement with what's getting ready to happen. But sometimes we have them spontaneous. The Lord may move. Now, I knew today we're going to pray for anybody that wants to be prayed for. All right? So if you want to be prayed for, let's come on down. Come on. Ushers, help me out. Let's get some music going. But I'm coming in agreement with you. The Bible's very clear. What does it say? It says, if any two of you come into agreement on concerning anything they ask, it will be done. It will be done. So I have to believe it's going to be done. And, and, I, and I want to make sure that you don't leave with any other thoughts than... I am healed. I am healed. I am restored. I am recovered. I am cured. Amen? All right. While they're assembling here, let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name, for your word. For you said you sent your word to heal us. You sent your word to deliver us from all our destruction. Father, you know how many times I've told you how grateful I am to be alive today. I'm so thankful. And I ask that today as we do what your word said, it is a doctrine of the New Testament church. to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Father, right now, as those that have come down, I just encourage you. Oh, all of you that have come down, start running through your mind scriptures. I've given you several today. Start running through. Go through your mind. Meditate. Meditate means to mutter, to speak to oneself. Begin to talk. Begin to talk to yourself, thanking the Lord. I heard Norval Hay say this. I remembered it forever. He said, anything you thank God for, you can have it. Thank Him. What does the Bible talk about? Philippians chapter 4. Here's another verse for you. He said, don't be anxious or have anxiety about anything. But with prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard and protect your heart. Meditate on that for a minute. Don't be anxious. Begin to thank Him. Begin to thank Him. Father, we got some unfinished business here. We got people that are lingering with things that they've been bothered with for years or months, reports that they've got. Father, I praise you and I thank you right now. You're going to change their mind. I want to let you know if you've got anything against anybody, let's get rid of it today. You can deceive yourself into thinking, yes, he's going to heal me, but if you've got ought up against your brother, It's like laying hands on an empty shell.
praise you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord.
a favor bear with us at a revelation one time we were at word of life you all know that i sang and and we had a healing line and the lord i had people leaving that were that were leaving and and if you got a job or something to go I, i'm good with that that's no problem all right but begin because you want to be first in the chicken line okay is inappropriate and this is why because it says, when one member suffers, we all suffer. My arms and my legs, when I went to surgery, they probably didn't want to go. But see, if you really believe that we are the body of Christ, you won't get up when people are being prayed for because they're your body. 
Okay? So I encourage you, stay with us. Pray in the Spirit. Don't end up looking around wondering when we're going to get out. We're going to get out here. We're still ahead of schedule. All right? But these people are receiving today. All right? So stay with me. Okay?
Thank you so much for letting them have a moment. You don't understand how that important that is. All right? Because, you know, Paul told us we're all the body of Christ. We're all the body of Christ. We're connected. We need each other. That's why COVID was so sad. Because it made people violate the Word of God. And the Word of God says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. As the manner of some is, but so much more as you see the day upon us. So we shouldn't be going to church less. we got to be going to church more. Why? Because we're going to need each other. Jesus said the way the world will know is because the love that we have for one another. He'll, we will let everybody know we're his disciples. We're not disciples of this denomination or disciples of that denomination. We want to be known as disciples of the Lord Jesus. So I encourage you, you know, when you have those times, I appreciate your patience today. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. For he is good. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Praise God. Well, we want to give you an opportunity to sow into this ministry. So if the ushers could get the buckets, I'm going to pray. And then they're going to take up an offering. And and, uh, then we'll be dismissed. It's been good to be together. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, If you're wanting to give, you can give to uh, Lake Church, and we'll make sure that 100% of your giving goes towards Randy. We're blessed that he came all the way from suffering in St. Augustine, Florida, to be with us. We're we're grateful for it. But we want to give you an opportunity. He has sown unto us spiritual things. We're going to give unto him carnal material things. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you and give you praise for your goodness, for your mercy. We thank you that your flow is here, that your presence is here. And I just thank you for everyone that was prayed for. I thank you that they're going to see manifestations of what was prayed for in the name of Jesus. That they'll never be the same from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Ushers, go forward. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. I can't get this scripture out of my spirit, and I need to give it forth, so I'm just going to go ahead and be obedient with it. It says, when the shepherd is smitten, the sheep are scattered. And you know... We had a situation, many of us in this room, in which a shepherd that we counted in high esteem was taken from us. And uh, it brought a lot of confusion. It brought a lot of uh, situations that uh, kind of began to develop in individual lives. It's been many, many years now, uh, but yet the residue is still there. And uh, I would just like Randy to come up here and pray with me. I'm going to pray over the congregation that was once known as Word of Life. The church doesn't exist anymore. But we know that there is no time and space in the Spirit. And wherever members of that church are right now, I think they need prayer. And uh, some of them are here in us. We, You know, he wants to repair the breach. That's what I sense. He just wants to repair the breach. 
You know, there's offenses that have happened because of this. We've talked about it. We've had to deal with our stuff. I've had to deal, you know, me and Dave and people like that. We've had to deal with certain stuff. The enemy came in to steal, kill, and destroy. But I declare right now, he's not going to do it anymore in regards to that situation right now. You know, spiritual stuff can last a lifetime. It can last a lifetime. It's time to break that off. Can you come up here and... just come into agreement today yeah there was there was there was there was, there was a lot of heartache there was a lot of things going on the confusion was just uh, you know just unbelievable and we break that in the name of jesus father god greg and i served with all of our hearts in that ministry and and even though you called us to do different things which we knew in the beginning you were going to do it wasn't like it was a surprise i mean you were very 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 uh, uh conversational with us letting us know and father god we just ask right now that if there were things that we brought in to the bed we ask you to forgive us and father if we caused any confusion confusion we ask you to forgive us but father god there are there's so many people here today that were part of that body and that the devil wanted to destroy it and it did attack our shepherd and, 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 and because of that, we, we've seen lives. I've got friends that are no longer attending church. I've got friends that are no longer interested in the things of God. We call them back in Jesus' name. They have got to come back. And you told us in the word in the last days we would see them come. And Father, we thank you and we praise you. They'll come back stronger than they ever were. They'll even ask the question, why do we leave in the first place? What have we missed out on? What is it that the, the Lord is doing in the earth today? He's doing it here in Manford. He's doing it in St. Augustine. There's so many people there that were affected. But Father God, we thank you. I pray for Greg. I thank you for the anointing is stronger than it's ever been on his life, that he has the ability to speak the true uh, living God, the words of the true and living God in this place to get us ready, to ripen us, to give us the latter rain that we need before you're coming. It's not the rapture we're waiting on. It's the maturing of the saints that we're waiting on. And, Father, let us be a part of that. Let us have that that uh, in our hearts, burning in our hearts, to always preach the kingdom of God, to be able to get that gospel out that you may return, because that's you when you said you would return. Father, we speak a blessing over this place in the name of Jesus. Every person represented here, anybody that's coming here wondering if they need to come here, draw them, Father. We praise you and thank you. This build, this building, this body, they're going to continue to grow. They're going to accomplish great things for God. And I thank you and praise you for it, that your will is done. In Jesus' name we agree. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. God binds people together. And although God has these names that are listed and he has them in in his, I just see, you know, uh, lists of people that are called together. But the enemy is also privy to that list. And what I sense in the spirit that uh, was going on and as Randy was ministering, as Randy was here, I didn't sense that this was going to be the way the service would go. But I'm here to tell you right now. The enemy 
has come against you because of who you were associated with. And that prayer right there broke that power off of that. There have been business failings, relationship failings, people that are lukewarm in their walk with God and people battling physical sickness in their bodies because when the shepherd was smitten, the sheep were scattered. But I'm here to tell you, my friends, that right here on this date, this will be a date that will forever be solidified in your heart. We break the power of that principality that tried to destroy that congregation and that body right now in the name of Jesus. And we command it to go no further in our lives in Jesus' name. And that may seem weird to you, but it's not weird. I said it's not weird. It's not weird. How many testify? That ain't weird. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you're dismissed in Jesus' name.